Well, welcome to uh, our Sunday School Hour for Graceway Baptist Church. It's a pleasure to see you and those of you who are watching to keep up with your Sunday School class. And we look forward to the time when you can be back with us because there's nothing that takes the place of just being around God's people. There's an old song that we used to sing. I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. And uh, wouldn't it be great if we all felt that way? And it ought to be that way. That fellowship that we have with one another is a foretaste of heaven. Did you know that? And so uh, we look forward to having you back if that's possible. And if it's not possible, we understand that and we pray for you. And may the Lord bless you. We're glad we can do this by live stream. And I'm always appreciative to uh, Gary for recording this and also making sure it's uh, broadcasted. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to do that. And we're glad to be able to do that for you. And then those of you who are teachers, uh, I know that everything we say on here, you, you know that stuff already. And you've been studying the Bible for a long time. But it gives me a chance to talk to you and to say thank you and how much we appreciate you. And it gives us the opportunity to kind of be on the same page. And as you study your lesson, you know what I'm thinking with some of the things that I write down, because it's hard to be in somebody else's head, especially mine. So uh, thank you, and may the Lord bless you. And um, some of you are wondering, did you not change clothes in a whole week? Well, actually, we're recording these things back to back, because as most of you know, that uh, when this lesson would be recorded, I'd be on vacation. And uh, so we're getting all of this done at once and getting it done in advance. So when I say this is the lesson we're going to do on November 20th, that's uh, close to Thanksgiving. So I want to remind you to um, think about what Thanksgiving means. We really ought to be thankful and we are a kind of a grumpy nation and a grumpy culture right now. And we uh, never really are appreciative. There's always something more that we want. We're never really content with anything. And uh, I think also, too, the more comfortable our lives have become, the more aware we are of discomfort. Just let your air conditioner or your water heater go out in your house, and you'll find out in a hurry what is uncomfortable. And uh, because we are so used to having everything so good, we find it easy to gripe and complain, but give thanks how long has it been since you really gave thanks for the little things and the quote-unquote normal things in life? You know, we don't do that very much. We just expect them. That's just the way it's supposed to be. And yet our ancestors lived thousands of years without those things that we consider normal. We ought to be thankful. It also reminds me, too, that um, on the night of the 20th, we'll be having our annual church-wide Thanksgiving dinner and so uh, make sure that you announce that to the class and uh, invite people to come. And we'll have a wonderful time as we gather together for that. And that also means that the Christmas season is very, very, very close. Pray for your choir. Pray for the orchestra. Pray for Brother Dale and the Christmas musical and all of the things that we're going to be doing during the month of December. It's always a lot of fun. And let's finish the year with a bang. Let's finish well in all of this. Now, today we're going to be talking about finishing well as we come to the end of the year and uh, the end of this section of Scripture by looking at Daniel 9, verses 1 through 3. 
And Daniel begins to pray. This is an old man praying, a seasoned citizen, some people say. Maybe we should call him a seasoned saint because he's a man of God. And uh, we get to look in on his prayer life. Now, finishing well is not really about the way you die. Now, sadly, a lot of us think about that. I'm going to finish well. I'm going to die you know, without cussing. I'm going to die, you know, without uh, doing something mean to somebody. I'm going to finish well. Well, it's actually, uh, while that might include that, that, that's not really what it's all about. It is about the way that you live. How do I finish well? By living well today. Well, what if I don't die today? Good. Then I'm prepared to die tomorrow. And if I don't die tomorrow, then the next day or the next day. But in the meantime, I'm leaving behind a trail of, of good things, honoring God, glorifying God, good works. That verse that says, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and then glorify your Father which is in heaven. Because it's not about me, it's not about you, and it's not even about our works, it's about the glory of God. Lift living well is about the way that you live every day. So Daniel lived well, and that guaranteed that he would have a great finish. So finishing well is not merely a way to live when you're old. It's also for the young. Think about Daniel's early life. About 17 when he was taken captive into Babylon, and yet he was faithful to God then, all the way through to when he's now in his uh, 80s by this point. So it's for the young as well as the old. And Daniel is still serving God at this point. And so whatever your age, now is the time to think about finishing well for two reasons. Number one, we have no idea of how long we're going to live. And number two, we have no idea when Jesus will return. Think about that. Do you really believe that Jesus is going to return today. And, you know, we say yes, but we don't really believe it in our heart that he really will. He could, but probably not. And that's the same thing we say when I will, if I were to ask you, do you think you're going to die today? Well, it's, you know, it's possible, but, uh, you know, it's not very probable. And we kind of hold those two things in the same way. I think we need to have a change. You know, there were people today that got up in the morning just like I did and just like you do, and they went to work expecting to come home, and they didn't. They didn't. And uh, the same thing could be said of us and could happen to us. And we need to grab a hold of that. This could be my last day. I want to finish well. This could be the day the Lord returns. I want to finish well like Daniel did, because we have no idea and no promise of tomorrow. So let's read Daniel chapter 9, three verses, verses 1 through 3. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books, he's making reference to the sacred writings, the Bible, the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Verse 3, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication 
with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Now, you could spend a lot more time than we're going to spend thinking about what Daniel says in this situation. Now, he starts off, if you'll kind of go back and look at the text, he starts off by telling us, this is at about the same time that he was thrown to the lions, the first year of Darius. Remember we read and studied earlier about Nebuchadnezzar's grandson and uh, Belshazzar. He had the handwriting on the wall and he died that night and the Persians took over the Babylonian Empire. And so it's within that time that Darius began to, began to reign. And that's when he's praying this prayer. Now, it also tells us that he was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. That's the Babylonians. He took over, he conquered the kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar established and that Belshazzar ruled over. He took it and he took it by force and he took it completely. And so this is a, uh, in regard to a prophecy that had come about through a dream of Daniel's and it's happened. And Daniel got to be eyewitness to the changing of the material in that great statue that Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed about. And this is now the kingship of Darius over the Medo-Persian Empire. It was, he was made king, made king. Now, he didn't make himself king. He might have thought he did, but he didn't. Romans 13 says the powers that be are ordained of God. And Darius could not have had this had God not caused it to happen. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. And Daniel realizes all of this. When we get into uh, verse 2, uh, again, it reiterates the first year of his reign. He says, I, Daniel, understood by the books. Well, that could be any number of books that Daniel would have at his disposal, disposal being there as an influential governor in the uh, empire of Persia. But it is clear later on that the books he was reading, because he said it was the number that the Lord had given through the prophet Jeremiah. Now that's important because first of all, it tells us that when we approach the word of God, we ought to approach it simply and as literally as we can. Now, obviously not all parts of the Bible are written to be literal. But the scripture is really good about identifying and making those things clear. Jesus said, I am the door. Okay, are we to take that? Well, was he a sliding door? Was he a patio door? Was he a front door? Was he a solid core door? I mean, what kind of a door was he anyway? Well, see, that's not the point because obviously he's using language there that is symbolic and telling us that he's the way to enter into the presence of the Lord, and he alone is that way, okay? But there are other things that we take, and Daniel took it literally, that Israel was going to be in captivity for 70 years. And you'll notice here that he didn't say, this is what Jeremiah said. He said, this is the way we always ought to approach Scripture. This is what God said through Jeremiah. Now, sometimes we talk about the different authors of the different books of the Bible. You know, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts, and Paul wrote Romans and a bunch of others, and, you know, that type of thing. 
Let, let's stop and think about what we really mean by that. The Bible is God's word spoken through those people, not necessarily from or by those people. This is not the word of Jeremiah. This is the word of God. And so whenever you read anywhere in your Bible, the author is the writer. God is uh, the one who is speaking, okay, through his book, through the word. And we ought to take it as literal as it is intended. And understand when you read this, it's not so much what it means to you. We jump to that, and that's the wrong way to understand the Word of God. The first thing you need to do is figure out what it meant to the person who was writing and the original audience that heard it. And when you can get it into their time and space and their context and how it applied to them, then you know how to apply it to your own life. And so that's what Daniel did. And he understood that the 70 years was just about up. So he is praying now, making a request to the Lord. And um, he's doing it very seriously with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. That's wearing burlap, basically. And so uh, according to this, Daniel was not causing God to end the exile after 70 years. It's not as though Daniel were saying, oh Lord, the end of 70 years is up and I have your word on it and I'm going to hold you to it. And God says, oh shucks, I guess I'm going to have to set the captives free then. No, this was the will and the determined decree of God to do this. Daniel just has the privilege of getting in on it. And so he prays back to God his word and according to the will of God. And the will of God is always found through the word of God. And so the exile is going to end. He was finding the will of God through the word and he was agreeing with it. And this is how we should pray as well. Uh, if you could learn to pray scripture, get the scripture, understand the scripture, and then start praying what the scripture is referring to and talking about, you could pray powerfully like Daniel. Okay, number one, Daniel was engaged in the times in which he lived. You know, some Christians just want to put their head in a barrel, dig a hole and put their head in the sand, and they say, oh, I'll just stay here until it's time to go to heaven. I don't have time for anything in this world. Well, you better because you live in this world. And you're supposed to be salt and light in this world. You're supposed to glorify God in this world. You're supposed to give good advice to people who ask of it, like Daniel did, in this world. And to do that, you've got to understand the times in which you live. Now, some of you are stuck back in World War II, and I'm sorry, but this is not World War II. You need to understand now. You need to see what's going on and be aware of what's going on now and address those things, if nothing else, in prayer. And Daniel got it. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the lineage of the Medes, I mean, look what he knew about his king. How much do you know about a president or about a governor or about a mayor or about a city council or about a school board or about your child's teacher? What, what do you know about them? And um, he's well aware of the political climate, obviously. He's well aware of the king and who he is. He's well aware of history. You know, uh, they say that the one thing we learn from history is that we never learn from history. And we know the saying that 
Those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. Well, we ought to be different. We're going to make mistakes as believers, but let's make some new ones. Let's learn from people in the Bible and people in our past and biographies of great Christians not to make the same mistakes over and over and over. Daniel was a history major here, and he was a man of understanding. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, when they are choosing uh, people for David to be with and people to fight with him, it gives numbers of them, and it says, uh, of the sons of Issachar, now listen to this, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Now we ought to have in the same way understanding of the times to know what America ought to do so we know how to vote, so we know how to advise other people, so we can call people, uh, people's attention to sin and even call leaders in power to repent of their sin. Uh, you got to have some knowledge and an understanding of the time in order to do that. You got to have that to know how to vote properly and all of those things. So that's the first thing that came up about Daniel. Number two, Daniel was reading and learning. Now he's in his 80s. What is he going to learn? What is there that he has not already read? I suppose he's been through this passage in Jeremiah many, many times before. And you know what old people do? They just kind of yawn and go, oh, I've heard that. And they dismiss it and they move on to something else. And it used to be we talked about young people that, oh, they're just bored and they're not entertained and all of that. Well, I've noticed about old people, and I can say this because I am one, sometimes when you get older, you get hardening of the categories and you get stubborn and set in your ways. Somebody said that a rut is just a grave with the ends kicked out of it. And we don't want to do that. My grandpa was one who was always learning, always up to date, all the way to the day he died. And it was always nice to talk to him because he, had a, he may not agree with everything and he may not really get what you were doing, you know, as a teenager, but he understood certain things because he kept up with the times. And so uh, that's what we want. And Daniel was taking the word of God and applying it to his present times. Now, he wasn't changing the word of God. He wasn't misusing the word of God, but he was taking it and he was applying it to the times in which he lived. And that fueled his praying, didn't it? His prayer wasn't just the same old thing over and over and over. Any conversation about the same old thing in the same old way gets old. And that's why your prayer life gets so old and stale. You say the same thing every time in the same way at the same time of day and in the same situation. It's just a bunch of cliches. Boring. Be fresh. Look in the Word of God and pray what you find in the Bible. Take that daily Bible reading and use it as a springboard to pray for your friends and your family and your nation and your church and your pastor and do it where you don't say the same old thing the same old way every single day. And so I understood by the books. The books give you understanding. That's the Bible about uh, what was specified by the Word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. And so his understanding of the times came from reading the Bible, reading the Bible. Okay, let's go on to point number two. He took the Bible seriously. Or excuse me, that's number three. He took the Bible seriously. 
And notice that it said, specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. I wonder how many people read that every day and just passed it by and said, well, that's probably symbolic, probably not really a literal statement, probably just means that we're going to get out of this one day, but not today. I wonder how many people really understood the richness of that, the power of that. God is going to act. And because of that, they were ready for it, or Daniel was anyway. They were ready for it because they've been reading the Word of God and they took the Word of God or Daniel took the Word of God seriously. And so in taking it seriously, he was ready to spring into action on all of this. God was speaking through Jeremiah the prophet and that's found in Jeremiah 25, 11 and 12. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. Okay. Now, this tells us that the punishment that came on Belshazzar at the handwriting on the wall That was the official ending of this 70-year period. And during this first year of uh, Darius, things are going to go into motion to set Israel free so that they can return home to rebuild their temple and to ostensibly rebuild their land. And Daniel is first on the scene. Daniel's the first to know. You know, our weather people around here, they like to be, you heard it here first. We were the first ones to warn you about that tornado or that snowstorm or whatever. Well, Daniel was the first to know. It was the first alert system as he began praying about what he read in the Word of God. And that all came because he took the Word of God seriously. Do you? This prophecy harmonized with other scriptures. Second Chronicles, for example, 36, 20 through 22, he took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill the 70 years. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that's why we think Darius might've been a title and Cyrus was his actual name. First year that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and also put it in writing. So this is going from zero to 60 in just a few seconds here. This is a fast, fast change. Daniel is thrown into the lion's den, and Darius is a pagan, and signs a law that says, no one prays to anyone but me for 30 days. A believer wouldn't do that believer wouldn't do that. Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. He's brought out unharmed. And the king has that pivotal moment of conversion where he sees the true and the living God and puts his faith and trust in him. 
the uh, other guys are executed. The uh, uh, decree is put out, the wall of the empire. And this is all happening within this first year. Why? Because Jeremiah said that the punishment would be on the king of Babylon, not the king of Persia. The king of Persia is going to let them go. The king of Persia is going to set them free. And this is what all is happening now. And so um, how many people in the Persian empire, even believers, even maybe some of those other captive Jews, they would have said, well, I don't know that it does any good to pray for this king. I don't know that it does any good to live our life of faithfulness to the Lord. I mean, nothing's ever going to change. Boy, things can change on a dime. We're not stuck on anything. God's will is going to be done and he is actually able to do it. And uh, number four, Daniel was intentional and serious about prayer. How do we know that? Verse three, he sets his face toward the Lord God. He doesn't want to be distracted. Uh, Jews typically would pray uh, either kneeling or a lot of times standing. And you know how we uh, will lift our hands when we're worshiping the Lord, usually during a song. Jews typically lifted their hands when they prayed. They lift their hands up to heaven. Remember the story of the uh, of the tax collector and the Pharisee in the temple. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the tax collector would not so much as look up into heaven, but he looked down and he beat on his chest. Why was that? Why did that matter? Because that was not the typical posture of prayer. The typical pro- uh, posture of prayer would be to stand, to look up and to raise your hands before the Lord. And as we can see in that story, The Pharisee was very proud and arrogant as he prayed, and the publican, the tax collector, was very humble. Well, Daniel is humbling himself here. He sets his face toward the Lord God because he's sincere about this, and he says to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting. With fasting. Well, you always know somebody is serious about their walk with the Lord when they deny themselves food, right? We don't like to deny ourselves food. We like to eat. We like to feast. And there's nothing wrong with feasting. There is something wrong with gluttony, but there's nothing wrong with feasting. And God has ordained a lot of feasts for his people in the Old Testament. Some people think the Old Testament was just austere and a lot of fasting and a lot of sacrificing and doing without. But actually, there was an awful lot of feasting that was going on there, a lot of happiness and a lot of joy. Well, Daniel is going the opposite. He said, I'm going to forego any pleasure that I have to concentrate on the Lord and not only fasting, but sackcloth and ashes. He was looking at all of this saying, this is both a, well, you remember um, A Tale of Two Cities by Dickens. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I may have that backwards. But uh, it's, it's an interesting way of looking at things. And that is what Daniel is saying. It's the best of times because God is getting ready to set his people free and to take them out of captivity. It's the worst of times because when Daniel sees all of this, he sees the sin that brought them into this situation. He sees the sin against God that put them in this place. And he is mourning and he is grieving over his sin. In the Beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew, it says, um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are they that mourn, 
for they shall be comforted. You see, the two things go together. When you realize you're poor in spirit, what you're saying is, I'm spiritually impoverished. I don't have anything to offer God. I don't have anything to commend me to God at all. And therefore, I mourn. What am I mourning over? What is that second beatitude about? Mourning over sin. And God comforts those who mourn, who grieve over their sin. And Daniel is looking at the situation and as a man with understanding of the times, he's understanding that God is not just being cruel or mean or tyrannical when he put them in Babylon. They are there because they have sinned. And think back about all the warnings that were given to Israel and Judah by the prophets. Think about all of the things that we can read in the Bible because they were recorded for us, warning the kings and warning the leaders and warning the people about the upcoming doom and what was going to happen. And yet they kept on worshiping idols and kept on worshiping idols. And this so grips Daniel's heart that he prays to the Lord with sackcloth and ashes because he saw the severity of sin. When is the last time you ever fasted and humbled yourself before the Lord over somebody's soul, over a law that was passed, over a situation in your family, over something that's happening or not happening maybe in the church. When is the last time he did that? Well, Daniel did because his time in the Bible pointed him to God. So many times we open up the Bible and say, what's in here for me? What's in here for me? And it's actually what is in here that teaches me about God? What do I learn about my father? And you'll be blessed enough if you do that. And the theme of the Bible is God and his plan of redemption. It's not really about us. It's not a self-help or psychology book, but it is without error and it is trustworthy and truthful. Listen to this from the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. This is what we claim to believe as Southern Baptist. The Holy Bible was written by men and divinely inspired and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect measure of divine instruction. It has God for its author and salvation for its end and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Furthermore, the scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ who is himself the focus of divine revelation. Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Is that the way you look at the Bible? Is that the way you take the Word of God? Is that the way you treat the Word of God? Is that the way you apply the Word of God to your life? Well, Daniel would have looked at that and he would have said, Amen. Amen. Sackcloth and ashes facing the Lord serious about what he read in the Word of God and serious enough to get it prayed into his heart and into his life. And so his prayer was based on what he read in the word. And this means that his desires matched up with God's will. Now that is dynamite. 
God's not going to change his will because he doesn't change. He doesn't have to. But we are to change to adjust to him. And when your will lines up with the will of God, beloved, that is powerful when that happens. And that's what uh, Daniel has just done. And so his praying is heartfelt, serious. It's sincere. Think about the fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So we conclude by saying, want to finish well? Stay engaged so you can pray, that you can advise, and you can be aware of what others are facing and what they are battling. Have an understanding of the times. Do not assume that you know enough and that you can coast. Keep studying, keep learning, hunger for the Bible, and let it reveal more and more about your Lord and Savior and His will. Take prayer seriously and go to war. As it says in Ephesians 6:18. after the armor's on, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication for the saints. Go to war, go to battle, and do it in prayer. So that's how you uh, get a clue as to how Daniel finished his life. We'll look at some more of that as time goes on, but uh, that's enough for us to get started, especially if you want to finish well, you got to start today, whatever age you are, and be like Daniel, and go back through that and study that, and just see how committed, faithful, and dedicated his life was, what he believed, and where his focus was, and then just ask yourself the question, how do I match up with the prophet Daniel? Wouldn't it be great if we did? Okay, I appreciate your time, and I certainly do pray that the Lord blesses you, and uh, thank you again for tuning in and for uh, watching this and for your preparation, teachers. May the Lord bless you.